Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. Standing across from me, a gentleman who demands that you call him Action Jackson. That's right. How does that make you feel as a listener that somebody's telling you what to do? Yeah. 65780, text in air comfort service, text line. Coming up on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Chris Kerber is going to join us to relive the festivities last night at Enterprise Center. As Chris Kerber, uh, Chris Pronger's 44 goes up, Chris Kerber was emceeing it. And I was talking with Randy Carricker as we were uh, coming in, and he was heading out. And he got to watch the game with Kelly Chase and Dan Deardorff. And that's just like, that's like if you could hand pick who you would watch a, a sporting event with. I don't know if you could have any better entertainment. I know that Kelly Chase was on with uh, Randy and Michelle on uh, Character and Smallman. So if you miss any of that, you can always podcast on the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. Uh, Action Jackson. So we'll have Chris Kerber coming up at 10.15. Looking forward to not only talking about Pronger's 44, his career, his memories, but also last night, yet another comeback victory for the Blues. The boys get healthy. The healthy boys go out there and they do some work. So we'll talk that over with Chris Kerber coming up in really a matter of uh, moments as we have the fastest hour in St. Louis sports radio here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Jackson, we got to tend to something though. Yeah. Before we go deep diving with Chris Kerber on the festivities last night at Enterprise Center. I wanted to track predictions on this show. Yeah. And now I feel like we need to we need to have a divorce. Yeah. No. Uh, because I, one of the things that I have observed over years, and this isn't this isn't a St. Louis-centric observation with regards to Sports Talk Radio, is if a host makes a prediction and gets it right, he will be, I told you so, guy. Essentially, Stephen A. Smith following a Cowboys loss. Right. If the host gets it wrong... The host's strategy is to never talk about it again. Like it never happened. Exactly. So I said on this show, I want to track our predictions because I do feel like I'm, I would be profitable for the audience on my predictions. That doesn't mean I'm going to hit everything, No, but, but I'm going to go 55% above yeah. against the spread or whatever it is that we set. So to date... My predictions have been Georgia against Alabama, laying points, right. the under, and I felt like I had another one to hit. Uh, uh, spring training not starting on time, which I feel like is going to hit. Yeah, if, we're, if they ever put a line on that, it'd probably be minus 300. Yeah, I think I, I'd go higher than that. I'd lay money on minus 300. But by the way, and then also uh, the one that I missed this weekend, Webb Simpson finishing 17th or better. And I really like that. I think I might have liked that of all of them. But either way, so three out of four. So I'm 75%. Your predictions have been Georgia-Alabama first quarter under. Yep. And do you have anything else in your... 
Yeah, my prediction yesterday was Arizona money line. And you, not only were you Arizona money line, but it was you took a condescending approach with the audience, <laughs> with me, with BK and Ferrario's uh, producer Tanner. Tanner. Yeah. He was a big Rams guy. Yeah, and you know, just kind of like Cardinals. Don't even worry about the three points money line. Yeah, that so one. So it's time to issue an apology, right? I, I if if I lost you like your mortgage, or if you right. if you placed too much on there, that's on me. Um, you know the the shortcomings of Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. I'll place squarely on myself. It was kind of passive aggressive apology because you're blaming Cliff Kingsbury. That was a game I saw the first couple of plays, and I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be the Rams winning. Because I actually thought, if there's anything that I thought in going into it with the number moving in kind of an odd way, it struck me as surprising that the spread was only three. And I thought that is usually the case, where I think the line should be higher that the underdog will cover, in particular if it's a Monday night in the NFL. And so I saw that. I thought, boy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build out lineups in daily fantasy based on the thought process that the Cardinals win. Plus, Jackson apparently knew something. Is what I'm thinking. There's some kind of inside word you had in Inglewood, mm. and uh, and we know that it wouldn't be like the Rams to to do anything deviant. So I I was thinking, all right, I'll build my lineups around the Cardinals. And then I saw a first couple of plays, and I thought, oh boy, right, this might be a problem. And then I think the first play from and I'm talking Cardinal offense. Then I see the Rams' first play from scrimmage, and it's Sony Michelle busting off like 35 yards. And I think the Cardinals have the highest rate in the NFL of yards uh, of runs 20 yards or greater against them. So that was a problem from the get-go. Plus Cam Akers back, and they didn't even need to use Cooper Cup. No, and they just picked them apart. And if they wanted to, they could have they could have kind of gone Georgia Missouri. Uh, on them if they wanted to. That thing was never in doubt. And so your 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 wager, your play, mm-hmm. a disaster, what went wrong? Well, I kind of do this thing where the team I dislike the most in the playoffs, I like to bet against. Uh, I did it last year in the NBA with the Bucks. I don't like the Bucks, so I bet against them in every series. And, of course, they raised uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy. So then we go to the Rams, who I hate by far the most of any NFL team. So I obviously pick the team they're playing against, and uh, here we are. So I'm going to stop doing that Mm -hmm. so the Rams can lose. I will make that sacrifice. It's a gentlemanly gesture. What I would tell you, I advocate emotional risk management. I'd like to explain emotional risk management to the audience. If you feel like your mood will be materially altered in the negative light should the team you want to win actually loses the game, the way I advocate handling that is to bet. It's not something that's going to change your life, but a small taste. A small taste. Right. So in your case, bet whatever would be a small taste for you. Half a unit. Yeah. Half a unit is your, your, your recommended size there on the Rams. And so they they win, and you're not happy about it, but at least you got a small taste in return. Right. If, if you lose. go all in, now you've lost cash, and now you're emotionally upset. Right, right. It's a Yeah, it's a good way to hedge almost. That's what my – so when, for example, when the Blues were making their run in 2019, oh, I would put a small taste on the opposition. Right. But I wanted to lose the money. 
Now, yeah. some people think this is really dumb. I would imagine a number of people at 65780 are going to <laughs> are going to express that. But for me, it really works. And sometimes, for example, let me take you back to 2014 in San Francisco, Jackson. Come on back with me. Oh, here I am. Oh, look, out in the bullpen, there's a guy who hasn't pitched in a month. Why don't we use him in a tie game in the NLCS? Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Let me live bet that right now. Because number one... I think that uh, the Cardinals are about to lose. But number two, if and when they do, when the season comes to an end at the hands of, let's say, a home run on the, off the bat of Travis Ishikawa, it won't sting as much. So the emotional risk management wagering strategy is something that I really, really advocate. In your case, you felt very confident about it. So now you are one and one on, on your plays on Balloon Party. Am I yeah. correct on this? Yep. Yep, and so there's one left hanging out there. It's yours about spring training starting late, which at this point seems like it's going to be. So I would be four and one if that happens. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, uh, well, not 100%, but yes, you would be four and one. Yeah, it would be 80%. Yeah, that's not, uh, that's not bad. I could be a tout. I could be a tout. <laughs> and that's what we're all aspiring <laughs> to be. Absolutely. <laughs> a guy, when you listen to him, you know you absolutely cannot trust. I was looking at the number last night, and I was thinking for the Blues and the Predators, and I was thinking, this is one of those games where it kind of doesn't even matter who they're playing because Pronger's mm. jerseys going up into the rafters. Yeah, you can, you, you, Las Vegas has a tough time quantifying the emotion element of it. Yeah, and I think I think that would be some value on the Blues. I really was right. thinking through that, uh, and it was really at the outset. If anything, it was the complete opposite. Right. Out yeah. of the gate. Yeah. Comeback kids. Rough, but comeback. here they come again yeah. with but, yet another comeback. I don't know if we have a burgeoning goalie controversy, like by the definition of a controversy, because the team is so good. But Vile Husso is making people talk. Right. And yet another performance last night that gets people talking. I'm looking forward to getting Chris Kerber's opinion on uh, on the situation. Here is here is my my verdict and I know the Blues are listening closely for what my counsel is. So this is this is this is this is going to be free. turn it up. <laughs> yeah, turn it turn it up if you would. Fortunately, you don't lose me when you go under an overpass anymore. That's a nice feeling. Uh, but uh, my my thought process is he he should be playing more than your average NHL backup. But big picture, the team's highest ceiling is with Jordan Bennington in net. Now, one could say, well, you could have said that in 2019, and look what wound up happening. The guy who nobody knew about when he made his first start in Philadelphia wound up leading you to the Stanley Cup. And I would agree with that. I would also have to say that is a mathematical outlier. That is not a common occurrence. So we've seen him do it before, and therefore I think the team's best-case scenario outcome is with Bennington and Nett. But... I think you give Huso more starts than you would for your standard NHL backup. I'm curious what Chris Kerber has to say. He is going to join us in a matter of moments. That is coming up next. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on the radio show. Jackson, we invite people to text in. Uh, I think we're winning people over. You know, two weeks ago when the show started, I looked in this text inbox and I booked a three-hour session with my therapist. Three-hour session. 
with my therapist. Uh, but here is here is what we got. When people are grading the show, this is nice, unsolicited. Thank you. Uh, show host likability, A. Nice. Show prep, A. Woo. Uh, show name, I lost the text now. It's either D or F. <laughs> so this allows me to go into my weekly explanation of the show name. Joe Strauss, the late great columnist of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, when he would see the St. Louis media talking about something like, pay attention to this over there, as opposed to the fact that the Cardinals just lost 12 to nothing, he would say, Fox Sports Midwest, it wasn't Bally Sports at the time, is having a hashtag balloon party on the air tonight. Right. And that was his way of keeping everybody in check. Sending he was message. kind of the ombudsman. <laughs> now, I want to make it clear. I've got zero credibility, as many of you have pointed out at 65780. But I just love Strauss. I miss Strauss. And I'm like, ah, I've already got the Tim McKernan Show podcast. So I don't really think a show name matters. So I'll call it Balloon Party. As it turns out, a show name matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got uh, we got a big old F on it, so. That's right. You can send in your grades if you would like. Meanwhile, we're going to upgrade the quality of the show by welcoming Chris Kerber to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Kerbs. Tim, welcome to the group here, bud. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for the, uh, the welcome, kind sir. How is everything going with you? Everything is good. Uh, love what's going on with the hockey team. We had a fun uh, game last night. Uh, I had to learn today that uh, the battery on a GMC Acadia is actually behind the passenger seat. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no, what happened? The YouTube video. and well, It's a car my daughter, who's 17, is driving, and the battery kind of went bad over the weekend. So uh, with them going to school today, I, I took it in to get the battery checked out to O'Reilly Auto Parts there in Baldwin. And um, Ray, their manager, was awesome. Said, "Yep, you got a bad battery." He goes, "But I don't think this is where the battery is." So YouTube didn't like son of a gun. The battery on this car is in a compartment behind the passengers, uh, the, the the front passenger yeah. seat. So I've YouTubed it, and uh, when we get done with this, I'll uh, I'll become a mechanic and we'll get it fixed. <laughs> Look at you! Look at you! I also saw your uh, tweet. Uh, was that over the weekend with the uh, the facial hair scare for the family? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty good. I, I you know, and, and I'm sure you understand this too. Uh, there was, a, I forget which comedian that said it. You know, like for us bald guys, uh, you don't really lose your hair; it just gets sucked into your head and comes out of the weird parts. That's of your correct. Body. Yep. But they, uh, uh, no. So I mean, the the one place gravity works uh, quite well. So <laughs> growing beards is not a problem. I can do that in about four and a half hours. So I decided, ah, oh, you know, this time I'll. I'll shave it into a Fu Manchu and film all the girls' reactions. Uh, I sent the video to Al Robowski, said, sorry, Al, uh, the girls didn't approve of the look, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, had some fun with them. <laughs> now, I might have kept it. I might have kept it for a week just for the, uh, the holy heck of it to have some fun with it. But uh, with MC and last night's pronger ceremonies, I thought, nah, we better – we better look the part a little bit, so we'll, we'll grow it back at some point. That's what I, I, I tuned in right at 6 o'clock to watch the ceremony, and then in the back of my mind, I'm kind of like, I wonder if Kerber still has that thing going on as he stands no. out there at center ice. <laughs> no, you got to have a little more respect for the game and the ceremony than that worm that was hugging my nose. Yeah. <laughs> well, as always, uh, not the, the Blues, I just always feel like, the Blues do it right when they're paying respect to the alumni. Maybe it's because the alumni are such a huge part of the organization. Um, but it's just 
always right. The one that, that stands out to me is is the Bobby Plager and and Barkley coming down to join him. I know that uh, was a moment that Bobby always held near and dear to his heart. It was such a beautiful thing, and it's always just done right. And last night, of course, no different. At this point, the bar is set so high, it's it's what you expect. And you have Pronger out there uh, talking it over after uh, you and, and Al McGinnis uh, speak. And he pulls out the uh, the libation and, and washes it down to keep his palate damp during the speech. It was just absolutely perfect. Well, I'll give you a little inside uh, inside dope there. So I, I see Chris prior to, and I said, okay, any last-minute things? And uh, he, he he had gone to uh, the bar in the, in the club area down there and uh, to, to grab a beer with, with his brother, Sean. And, and he says, yeah, actually, he goes, look, uh, I'm going to cheers everybody at the end. We've uh, we've got to put a couple Bud Lights at the podium. We're like, okay, it's a glass podium. How are we gonna? And uh, so behind there, it looked like it might have even been like a popcorn bucket. And we said, yeah, that's got blues on it. So they they put ice in it. They put three beers in it. And I saw Mike Caruso. I said, Mike uh, Prongs wants us near the podium. He says, okay. <laughs> they kind of they kind of hit it over near uh, over near the speakers and went. But I got I'll tell you, Tim. Uh, that's now the fourth number retirement that uh, I've I've seen or been a part of since uh, since I've got the job here with the Blues. I saw Al's and then Brett Hull's. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to MC the one for Al, and a moment I'll never forget. It was in 2006, pretty early on in my tenure here. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, and then and then to sit and watch Brett's and 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 especially sitting and watch Bobby and John Kelly did an amazing job of seeing that was special. Just as cool, though, to be back down there and emceeing this one for Chris. But the the work behind the scenes and the planning that the entire, you know, crew did behind the scenes, whether it be Trevor Nickerson and his and, and Eric Siders and the Blue Note production crew, Mike Caruso and Dan O'Neill on the PR side, Kyle Warman uh, leading the troops on, on the building side, Brenda Wilbur, you know, in the office on, on the graphic side. It takes so much to put this together. And then the coordination with Valley Sports and 101 to make mm-hmm. sure everybody is good. Uh, it it really is something else to pull it off, and they pulled it off within a, a two minute window of what the planned allotted time was for it. So it, it all went well. It was it was beautiful. I, I couldn't stop watching it. I mean, it it just it makes you think of of that era, and then you see everybody there and what it means to, to Chris and his family, and uh, and the alumni as well. And I now you speaking and doing so, you know, flawlessly addressing a crowd. It's it's you know it's what you do. So that's that's expected. Was pr- I saw him initially go get some you know pieces of paper, but it looked like the way he delivered his speech that he was kind of going off the cuff. Well, he had no, I mean, he had no, no, he had stuff prepared and, and he had his notes, but I think what was important for Chris was the opportunity to just speak from the heart yeah. and go with where the moment took him. And that was, that was really kind of one of the neat things about it because everything that came out of him was true. I, I really loved the fact that, He's embraced the hell that was his first year with the yeah, St. Louis yeah. Blues, having been traded for Pronger. I'm sorry for uh, for Shanahan, and and the booing and, and and everything that went by, and and the fact that he em- embraced that and now can really laugh and joke about it because well he overcame it and then he kicked its butt basically, you know. And, and, and in the end, if you really think back away about how that trade really worked out when you traded two powerful Hall of Famers for each other. 
guy it, shoot it has to go down as I think one of uh, one, one of the probably wildest and great trades in in league history when you consider two Hall of Famers getting swapped, um, especially when you know one was a little further on in the career. But mm-hmm. I just I love the fact that he he embraced it, and the one thing I'm, whether it's now that he's not really in hockey. You know, and and running the you know the travel business that that he and Lauren are running, um, or whether it was when he was in hockey and, and and being part of the Florida Panthers management crew, or when he would come back into town with Anaheim or Philadelphia or Edmonton, or even when he was a captain of the St. Louis Blues, dude, that guy you saw last night, whether it be working a crowd below the scenes or enjoying the moments, doing the media tour afterwards. It's been the same guy. All it the has way been absolutely and that's the cool part. I mean, it really has. How he answered the questions. How he when he joined myself and Joe halfway, or maybe with about five minutes to go in the second in the first period, and we kind of talked through the Blues two game time goals. Uh, you know, but you have to do that sometimes in radio, and when you have a chance. And we wanted to make sure Chris could get back to his other guests. Uh, Man, he, he answered questions the same way. It, it felt like I was interviewing him back in 2003. And and I, I just think that that's something that's really doggone cool. There are some guys when you interview, you know going into it, they don't really want to do it, and they're going to give you the Bull Durham back-of-the-bus cliche answers. So they'll give it to you, and then they'll know you won't go back to them too often. Uh Pronger, you had to kind of come prepared when you walked up to him in the room because he was going to challenge you a little bit and then also not be afraid to to give it back to you. So you kind of had to pack a lunch when you walked over to a 44 spot. You know what? I Bennington has a little bit of this in him too, and I appreciate this from athletes. I, I really do. I appreciate the facts of an the the fact that an athlete will hold a reporter or a um, an interviewer kind of accountable for, for the quality of their questions. Mm-hmm. These guys go out there and they prepare hard to play. Now, sometimes the game doesn't go their way. Sometimes they have bad days and, and they've got to, they've still got, they come in and they face the, the questions and they answer some questions, but you know, from a media standpoint too, uh, I, I think we all have a responsibility to be prepared and ask better than dumb questions. Yep. And, and, and that doesn't mean, look, sometimes, Sometimes you've got to ask the basic question that you know what the answer is going to be, but you still have to ask it. And I get those moments, okay? But like, like to me, I'll give you an example. To me, the ultimate goal question I hate is when somebody asks a goaltender what happened on that goal. Mm. Like, you saw what happened on the goal. Find a way to ask a better question. Like, learn the game and, and, and ask a better question. And guys like Pronger were great about just giving you a look and if it's a bad question, it'll give you a short answer. If it's a good question, it'll give you a great answer. And uh, and and I I actually appreciate that. I grew to thoroughly enjoy interviewing Chris Pronger because you had to be prepared. Yes. You had to ask good questions. And when you did, you got fantastic answers, and that's what made it fun to interview. And when you didn't, you were properly dismissed. I recall <laughs> I just had started out, and the Blues were playing the Sharks. Uh, you weren't on the call the, at that point, right? This is to, this is to the President's no, Trophy season, 2000. Are you talking about the first question he got after the, they lost? Oh, we talked about that. So you're familiar with this story. Uh, so 
I yeah. So that I was told the, the year story before yesterday. I got here. I got here the next year. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is this is a few games before that. We're out in San Jose, and I had never interviewed him before. You know, he's up on skates, so he's about seven feet tall. I need a telescope to see him <laughs> from where I am. And and I said, you know, and at the time, Mike Ricci was the guy everybody hated. You know, every playoff series or somebody on the opposite. And, and Ricci was the easy guy to hate on the Sharks. And uh, and so I said, hey, I noticed, and I just thought I'm going to get this easy layup question. I'm 23 years old. I'll just, I'll get it going. This will be a nice little soundbite. And I go, so I noticed uh, that you and Richie are going at it. Uh, any bad blood out there? And he goes, oh, trying to stir the pot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just walks off and smiles at me. And I go, oh, I got, I got to be better with this guy. <laughs> you wait a minute. That, I think no, I think I think we were no, no. Actually, was it? Was it San Jose or Vancouver? It was Vancouver was the trip that you and I were on. That's I do remember that. Three. That's yeah, correct. So two thousand three, where they were up three to one, and got yeah, sick, now, right? Right. So now we were in San Jose one before that, but I don't remember if you guys were on were on that trip. So I don't remember if the year that you asked that Ricci question was that the President's Trophy. That was the year? President's the Trophy year. Yeah. Okay. Now the the story I I, I was told was. Um, a reporter went into the locker room, and one of the stations had somebody that really was not That's correct. very uh, yep. knowledgeable about she, she was She was interning. I, I had never seen her before, and yeah. Chris, I haven't seen her since. <laughs> no. Well, and, yeah, I, I wonder why. But the Blues lose in the seventh game. That's correct. And she asks Chris Proner, so what are your chances now of winning the Stanley Cup? <laughs> that is correct. I can. Oh, I told the story man. yesterday, and I am so pleased that 22 years later, something that when it happened, I thought, wow, I can't believe this just happened, still is living on to this day, and that you have heard about it, and that Pronger remembers it, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah it, it, it lives in infamy as, for real, I, you would think, I'm like, okay, this is only my third week doing this, I guess this happens all the time where <laughs> asinine questions are asked, <laughs> but I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything like it since, maybe you have, because you're around a lot, I'm not, but, uh, but right. yeah, that, that might explain it. I have a segment it. for you. you I, I, I have a segment for you that I think, one, I, I, I've Having haven't since I really haven't had a regular radio show since I did the sports hub over on KMOX. Okay, this is a segment that I think really fits like not it. only like the, the one-hour show that you do. Okay, but this one, this one just absolutely flies right into your honoring of Joe Strauss's show. Okay, <laughs> all right, you've got to do the press conference question of the day. God, I like you it. just get I the love the idea of somebody. You know, stumbling over a question or saying, "Hey, hey, you know, what what do you think about the play of this guy? Because you know he's really been playing well, and he started off slow, but then he came back, and now he scored hat tricks. So you really got to be happy, you know, with his play." And you're like, "Did you ask a question? Did you answer? What the hell did you just do?" And 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 for me, I love the art of interviewing. And, and so whether you study guys like Bob Costas or or Larry King or all, all some of the all time greats at interviewing, I, I I still learn and I still listen and love, but doing it and to me so when you ask a question you just you sometimes you know it just makes you cringe when you hear some of the questions oh, yeah. i think that in honor of joe strauss that that, that would be, be because he, he was a cantankerous pain in the butt <laughs> he'd, get into, he'd get into an argument with you even when he even when he was wrong and it was stupid and uh you know but and, and sometimes he would do it just to stir the pot that's he, correct he, he enjoyed stirring the pot, the pot. Fans. right so the um uh, I think something like that would be a fantastic one because Rennie Knott told me 
we were talking about that story with Pronger once, and Randy not told a great story. And then th- this one's fascinating. He had an intern when he was working in, in Washington, D.C., and he sent this intern over to cover the, the Washington Bullets game, I think it was, at the time. And uh, and this intern, he was, he, was, he was a tall, blonde kid from, like, Sweden, or he was Scandinavian descent, oh, oh, even if he was from the States. And he goes back in there, and I guess – he didn't know what to do, so he goes into the room and he asks one of the, the Wizards lose the game or the Bullets lose the game, and he walks right up to one of the guys and says, "Why did you guys lose?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and on its man, on its face, that's a hell of a. Good I gotta say, yeah, it's direct, it's concise, it's nice. Uh, it's kind of straight out there, and I bet you're going to get a really good answer, too. <laughs> you're certainly so, going to. i got to tell you, you, you have just produced a segment on this show. I'm uh-huh. dead serious. <laughs> I love the idea. Now, if oh, you yeah. remember, Calvin May used to be Tony LaRusse's leadoff oh, man. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can you see you backing I, away from the, this segment. I, I'm going through with it, and I think it's brilliant. Belichick was asked about his New Year's resolution after they lost a game on, like, New Year's Day or something like that, and I thought, my goodness, oh, yeah. how did that even come to pass? For real, Jackson, put it in the uh, daily reminder. We're going press conference question of the day, courtesy of Chris Kerber, <laughs> blues broadcaster slash balloon party producer. He's doing it all this year. Add to your resume, yeah. Chris. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I want to get I into would... all kinds of uh, blues topics uh, with you. We'll take a uh, break if you if you can stick Sounds around good. since I've uh, oh, sure. since you're producing the show on the fly with great ideas, and uh, and we'll talk about the festivities last night and a couple of discussions. I know many people are curious to hear your answers to. Chris Kerber, kind enough to join us here. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Slyman Brothers with five St. Louis area locations to serve you. Back to Balloon Party. The critically destroyed name of this radio radio show. So one guy, if I say radio presentation, says he'll never <laughs> listen again. So I'm calling it a radio show. Tim McKernan. Jackson, I, Curbs, I don't know what you thought of his Sports Center update or if you were even paying attention. The, the Sports Center update is the bane of Jackson's existence, and he gets very tight, kind of like on the first tee box when he's standing over the ball. And I said, I'll just do it for you. He goes, No, no, I want to do it. And I got to tell you, since we're grading everything today, Chris, I thought that was I thought that was an A Sports Center update. Chris bailed on the show. <laughs> oh, no, I got you back. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I hit the mute button. I hit the mute button during a commercial break. My, my bad. Forgot to unmute it. All good. Yeah, I thought that was a, a B minus at best. So you're pleased with your work. Um, it's better. What, he just, you know what? I, it, it, he, he sounded a little like surprised that it was coming. So you know, <laughs> he, he was frozen by the breaking ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you only knew it was top and bottom of the hour. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, these things are somewhat predictable. You know. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right, I want to make sure. because morning, I... not a whole lot of the sports has changed. So. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of activity early this morning. All right, I'm anxious to hear your answers to this, and I know a lot of people uh, listening here on 101 ESPN are as well. A variety of topics. Certainly, well, the hot topic. Nothing gets people going more than when you have a, a goaltending discussion, and, uh, and now there is a sense that there is one to be had. Uh, you saw the rise of Jordan Bennington, uh, 
dating back to January of 2019. And uh, now there have been a couple of games where people are going, what's going on? Is something off here? And then you see Huso go out and he does it again. How do you observe this situation that certainly has a number of Blues fans buzzing? You know what? Uh, I think you have to look at it in, in two circles. One, an individual circle, and then the other one within the team circle. I think individually, there's no doubt that I, that Jordan has another level and, and, and can be better and, and has to be better, you know, for the hockey team. The, the numbers over goals against average, you know, after 22 games, uh, goals against average at three and a save percentage just above 900 is, is not where you want the goaltending numbers to be. You want that, you want that average down to about 250 and you want that save percentage up over 912. Uh, to me, those are the benchmarks. So, I think he, he, he knows this, and he has to be better there. The, the thing that muddies it is you have to also look at it within a team setting as well. There's been enough different lineups and enough different challenges and shorthanded games playing, you know, Wallman as a, a defenseman, playing him as a forward at times, playing with, with 11 forwards, 7D, playing shorthanded in some games with 17 skaters instead of 18. There's been enough challenges over the course of this season that at times the team play in front of the goaltenders hasn't been as sharp as it needs to be as well. And that's something that you really do have to keep in mind where I know it's the goaltender that always has the red light that goes on when he makes a mistake. But go back to even that game against Toronto, that game-winning goal, and you realize that the Blues had three different opportunities to clear the puck out of the zone. It's a veteran D-man that reverses it to another veteran D-man behind the net things get fumbled and bang it ends up in the back of your net so a lot had a lot had to go wrong there the the number and and you don't have to get deep into analytics on this one but the bottom line is if you're jordan bennington and and you've seen three or more goals go in in 15 of your 22 starts that's a trend that's just not good but then look at last night you still it's billy huso everybody's you know applauding billy huso for playing a great game and and he was actually i think one of our stars of the game and he still allowed three goals so, again, I, I don't look at there right now being a goaltending problem, nor do I look at it as being a goaltending controversy. You're two games still shy of playing the midway point of the season. You're going to have a break coming up around the All-Star break and some more, you know, through that three-week uh, former Olympic break, a couple games that get sprinkled in there. So, uh, but it's not going to be as busy a schedule as we've seen up to this point or as we will see after. You're going to need both goaltenders to earn you enough points just to get into the playoffs. You're playing 670 hockey right now, and and you feel like the playoffs are breathing down your neck with the teams coming after you. That to me, you're still going to need them both, and they're going to be fine. And the bottom line to me is Jordan Bennington, because of his contract and what he's done, he's still your number one goaltender. But when that guy kind of hits uh, some bumps in the road, you're supposed to have a good enough backup to carry the load for a bit, and that appears to be what they've got with Billy Huso. So I don't think we're at the point of a goalie controversy. I just think you're at the point of, you know, do you ride the hot hand and, and let Jordan right the ship a little bit? Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN. You spoke to the game-winning goal for the Leafs on Saturday night and how that went awry, and then that became uh, kind of a microcosm for the talk of the trade deadline and what Doug Armstrong could possibly do. Uh, it's still a couple months away, uh, which is hard to believe, but it is. Uh, how do you evaluate the Blues' needs, and is that something that you think the Blues GM will aggressively try to tend to over the next 60 days or so 
Well, and and I believe they're probably already doing that. Uh, you know, if, if there's an opportunity for GMs uh, to make a deal before uh, the trade deadline squeezes them in certain uh, holes, I, I think that they tend to do that. You know, I look from a forward standpoint, this team is 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 as deep. I, I honestly, when healthy, there's not a deeper team in the National Hockey League. There, there just isn't. Your your top player, maybe your top forward all season long so far has been. Uh, has been Pavel Buchnevich. You can make the case with him and Jordan Cairo. Buchnevich has been out of the lineup the last two games, and you just put five up on the Maple Leafs, and you put another five up last yeah. night on yeah. the Nashville Predators. Two of the top teams in the league, right? So th- the forward side is good. Cleaning things up defensively is going to be, I still think, a priority for this hockey team. Now, is cleaning it up meaning another 20 games of experience for for Nico Mikola, and and then he gets up into that 50-game range and, and whatever it may be this year? I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting move. I have not had a chance to ask the question to, to Craig Berube and talk to him about this. Scott Perunovich originally looked like he was going to play last night. The, there was a late change, and he didn't. And I think because of the size, some of the intensity, the physicality, and, and then when we saw the way the game played out, it was the right game to have Robert Bortuzzo in. Um, Scott Perunovich's size it still has to put some meat on the bones as he grows into an NHL body in an NHL game. Sitting in a game like that, I don't think is a bad thing. I think that's actually a pretty good thing in terms of development. And, and we saw Bortuzzo with some huge blocks and massive penalty killing to help you win that hockey game. So the, to me, I don't know whether it is just shoring up your top six, whether it's trying to find a another one to fill on the Mikola side with Pareko and then put Mikola's uh, size and grit on, on another pairing. I, there is some tinkering that still could be done for this team to be better on the defensive pairing side of things. We'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. Chris Carver with us here. He is with us on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It is always a pleasure to talk it over with you. I mean, when you come in and we do uh, like the podcast, we'd sit and talk for 90 minutes, two hours, and now I have to pay attention to a clock because I'm working at a professional operation, which, of course, is totally new for me. Hey, listen, those clocks in there, too, screw me up all the time. I'm I'm used to working off off the time of day clock, so I I have an app on my phone that, you know, the atomic clock, right? And, And I use that one because that's how I try to stay on clock. The way the clocks in there work is when they hit the microphone, those clocks go to zero. That's so right. you're kind of timing out a segment. And I still find a way, you know, to get lost in that one. So I, I, I use them both in there. But, yeah, timing the timing of segments is, is kind of important in radio. Yep, yeah, it, it actually matters. So I've got plenty that I didn't get to ask that I'll ask next time. It's always good to have you on, though, man. Great talking with you. Thank you for the time this morning. And uh, thank you for the critique of Jackson Sports Center update. And, and the idea for the show, which is the press conference debacle of the day. Perfect. A-plus guest. The, bu- yeah, the, balloon, the balloon party press conference. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Curbs. There you go. All right, guys, have an awesome week. Anytime you need me, let me know. Appreciate it, brother. There he is, Chris Kerber with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. All kinds of uh, good texts in the the text line presented by Air Comfort Service. So we will go through those on the other side of our break. I could talk to him. That's the thing. I'm like, I I I had a bunch more. Like, I consider, in my mind, really good questions that I want to go to. I'm like, if I go to him, though, he's going to be on and and we'll we'll get done at around 1230. So. So I can't I can't do it, but I wanted to talk to him more. Uh, both of us are so uh, so loquacious. Loquacious is the official word of the day. Great having him on, though.
uh, we'll read through some of the uh, the texts and uh, and then hand things off to BK and Ferrario coming up at 11 o'clock. This is Balloon Party at 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. You are welcome to interact with this radio program by texting in 65780. A number of people have done so. Uh, Some critiques of Jackson Sports Center update. I like that this is becoming a thing. Kerber's pause answering your question was longer than Jackson took to say the word Barbashev. (laughs) That's a a tough... You saw that on your script and you thought, oh boy, boom goes the dynamite. Right. Well, actually, I went off no script today. Oh, wow. Johnny Improv over there. Look at you. So with Barbashev, I I was in between Barbie or Barbashev and I went with... I think you chose wisely. I agree. I would have. I would have actually paid attention had I heard a Barbie come out over there. I'm over here <laughs> scrolling through Instagram while you're doing this. Nice update, Jackson. Now tell me who would be a better dinner date at Olive and Oak, Derek Grimm or Trayvon Bryant? Great question. Thank you. Six one eight. Why Bryant? I think Trayvon. Yeah. Uh, Tim, tell us about the worst question you've ever asked, or one where you asked and then thought, "Why the hell did I just ask that?" Well, I've got a. I've got a potpourri to give you. Maybe a Mount Rushmore of sorts. I recall. Kansas was at Missouri. I was a sophomore or junior and quote unquote covering the game, (laughs) i.e. just happy I could go to the game and had a microphone as an excuse to be able to go down after the game. And uh, and Roy Williams was the coach at the time. And he was asking a question, answering a question. And probably just like this story that now has now taken on a life of its own again, 22 years later, after the fact, the girl who asked Pronger what the Blues chances were of winning the Stanley Cup after they had just been eliminated from the playoffs in game seven, 10 minutes earlier, I was like, I'm going to ask a question and show Ray Williams that I mean business around here. (laughs) And so he was in the middle of answering the question, sometimes with a guest, you recognize when they're done. Sometimes you don't. Ken Rosenthal is one who comes to mind when I've interviewed Ken Rosenthal. He couldn't be a better guy, but he has a he has a pause where you're not sure if he's done or if he's just paused, right. and then you'll step on him. Yeah. So here's Roy Williams, and here I am at like 20, and I jump in, and he turns to me and he goes, "Are you going to let me answer this question, or would you like to address the media?" And I go, "Oh God, Coach, I'm sorry." <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to I just wanted to drop out of the journalism school right then and there. And I think it was about a year later where Keon Dooling had been weeping. And I don't know why. I still don't know the story. Wasn't for not asking. At the end of the bench when Missouri was playing in Colorado. So I'm going back on these. Obviously I haven't asked a bad question in the twenty first century. <laughs> of course. And uh and I noticed the 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 people in Columbia, like the main stations, were not asking Norm Stewart about it. Each person had a one-on-one with it. I'm like, well, the story is that Keon Dooling, one of the stars of the team, was crying at the end of the bench, sure. and nobody's asking him about it. So I'm like, I'll show Norm Stewart. <laughs> Just like I'm going to show Roy Williams. So I sit down with Norm Stewart. It's not on camera. This was for radio, so I wasn't doing TV for KOMU. Gotcha. And I said, uh, Coach, on Saturday... Uh, Looked like Keon Dooling was crying at the end of the bench. Uh, what what happened uh, between you and, and Keon? And he looked at me, knowing it wasn't on television, and he smiled like, you decided to go there? Now you're going to find out. Storm and Norman. Goes, 
he wasn't crying and he just smiled at me and i'm like oh god <laughs> okay coach who's big well, no, for you and then i decided okay what do you do and it's one of those moments yeah you know i could choose the road less traveled or i could and i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it no no he was the cameras <laughs> cameras double down <laughs> the cameras caught him crying at the end of the bench and he's like no oh, you decided to double down okay no he didn't and, I, and so help me i felt a little 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 i lost control of my bladder right a little dribble yep i i was interviewing norm stewart at 20 21 years old and right there on the Hearn center floor i i had an issue yeah yep. happens to the best I, of it, us. it really that that i'm not making this up that really happened that really happened. Uh, Tony LaRusso wasn't a fan of a number of my questions over the years. There's no question about that. Um, Quinn Snyder <laughs> was not a fan of a number of my questions over the years. There's no question about that. You're a head coach's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, now that I go back and I'm trying to think who enjoyed my work. Uh, I remember asking Joel Quenville about the plus minus on the team. And I could just tell he looked at me like... Honestly, who gave you a credential? Vermeil like you? Uh, Vermeil was gone right before I started at KMOV. Gotcha. But my very first story at KMOV, they said, hey, he's moving. He had retired oh, and he's moving. And they said, you know, he's speaking at the MAC. You ought to ask him if you can go with him to his house as he unpacks <laughs> or packs up to move. And Dick Vermeil, being as nice as he was, goes, sure. I'm like, I can't tell you no. And then I walk in there with a photographer, a cameraman, and Coach Vermeil. And Dick Vermeil's wife looks and goes, what in the world? There's nothing worse than moving. Right. And now you've got this hack, 23-year-old and his cameraman watching you do it. And they're driving to Pennsylvania. What an angle. Yeah. What an I, angle. I, now I look back on it, and I don't even know how I'm still in the industry. <laughs> I'm a barnacle on the hub of sports media. That's what I've decided. All right, time to wrap it up. BK and Ferrario, they're up next. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.